Hello and welcome to Really Well Women with me, clinical somatic educator Heidi Hadley and naturopathic doctor Sarah Wilson. Really Well Women is here to educate, empower and enhance the health and well-being of women who have many demands and yet they want to take care of themselves from the inside out. Enjoy our podcast as we delve into all areas of health and well-being. So are you ready to find out more? Let's get started. Welcome everyone. Today we are going to continue our Foundations of Health series talking about movement. And so today we're going to get into movement in so much more detail because it's not exercise. Movement is different than exercise and there's so many facets of health that depend on movement. And so really we want to break it down for you why movement is so critical, how to incorporate it, and really how a lack of movement can be showing up in your day-to-day as well. Absolutely. And I think it ties in beautifully with the stress podcast that we were doing just previously. Um, and so a lot of it is going to tie in. So it's great that if, if everyone's listened to the stress one, first of all, and then this just blends in so nicely. So, I mean, I often will say to clients and in workshops that movement is medicine or motion is lotion or move it or lose it. You know, so it's that sort of thing. So it's really important that we keep moving our body. And as you said, exactly. And we will develop this as we go through movement is very different to exercise and that's what we need to just mention from the very beginning and so people will go well why is that well we will develop that but what i wanted to first of all mention is how movement has this profound effect on our emotional physical health everything and we're going to talk about that in great detail throughout this because if you think about it and again if you're standing up if you're able to do this i'd like you just to at this point associate movement and also posture with an emotion so could you just drop your shoulders forward and could you just let your head drop down and maybe tuck your tailbone under and just go and just do a little sigh and then just breathe quite shallow and if you stay like that long enough how does that make you feel I mean it makes you feel a bit sort of flat a bit sad maybe a bit apathetic thinking I've got no energy or a bit apprehensive to do anything with great zest and and oomph And so that's the thing is that when we feel flat and when we're quite low, that's the sort of posture that we we will resemble. So everything becomes slow. And as a result, if everything becomes slow, we don't move so much. We become very rigid. The muscles start to lose muscle memory. They forget how to contract and relax efficiently. They just stay very tight and locked. And in a sense, I say to clients, it's almost being caught in a very tight corset you know you're in a a vice all around your center you can't breathe too deeply your ribs don't move everything starts to get affected but then think about this as well if you're still standing imagine that you're suddenly feeling really anxious and stressed and you've got like millions of things to do with a deadline and you've got limited time to do it all of a sudden you're going to be very rapid aren't you very hyper vigilant maybe your eyes are going to be darting around everywhere you're on the go 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 and so in that response you're going to be bigger aren't you maybe your chest will be wider you're going to be often you'll hear people before you see them because they're very heavy footed clump 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 you know you see all that going on so again you see the movement and the posture being resembling or mirroring basically that personality 
And I, this is my favorite when you're sitting, people watching, which is everyone's favorite mm-hmm. thing. I, I almost challenge you, if you're sitting in a mall or you're sitting at the transit stop or something like that, watch people. You can predict their nervous system. You can predict the person who is going to snap at the bus driver for being two minutes late, just on how they're walking. So this is how intricately connected movement is with our neurological system and with everything in our body, really. And that's exactly right. I, I always say to clients, you get an insight into your central nervous system and other people's when you look. And if you're thinking, cool, look at her posture, look at his posture, stop and think, what's my posture like? How am I moving? How am I not moving? All those sorts of things. And it's then that you actually do your own recalibration because you're right, Sarah, how many times have we watched people and thought, crikey, they look like they're in a lot of pain. But because they've been living so subconscious for such a long time with those stress responses, their movements become limited or very rigid in certain ways. And they are just trapped in this cycle of a subconscious stress response. And so they're basically living captive to a stress response. Whereas what we want to do with movement is we want to release that tension that gets built up. And, and in a sense, that's where I, I teach clinical somatics and I do somatic movement as well. Um, and in somatics, we refer to our mind and body, our whole emotional and physiological makeup as the soma. Because I just want you to think for a minute, have you ever been in a situation where you realize that if you're feeling emotionally really low, the physiological effects that has on your body? And likewise, physiologically, when you're in pain or agony, it really messes with your headspace, doesn't it? So you can't separate your mind and body. They're, they're all one, basically. And that is in somatics, what we view as the soma. So we would say in somatics that the soma is a giant sensory organism because you think of our mind and body, it's absorbing as a sensory organism all emotions, beliefs, cultures, movements, experiences, any injuries we've had, habits that we've developed, the life events and experiences that we've had, that's molded us to the unique individual that we are today. Um, and that's basically what we're working with. It's, it's becoming mindful and noticing how we've been conditioned and how we can take some of that conditioning out to become more mobile, improve our posture, um, you know, improve digestive function. Because think that's all affected, isn't it, when we're locked in a very tight body. And Heidi is going to expand on this more in the future, but there's something called fascia and I'm going to butcher this. So work with me. Um, but it's essentially a connective tissue that connects muscles. Um, and it's, it, it affects our whole body. So like the fascia that if it's tight in your shoulders is going to have, they're called trains, right? They're fascial mm-hmm. trains, but it's going to affect hips and everything. And there's really cool theories now on the fascial theory of aging. And so essentially what this is doing is looking at research and showing that these patterns, uh, these physical patterns um, are holding so much and they're affecting aging of our joints. They're affecting even just how well we age in general. And I think there's going to be some really cool, interesting um, things coming out in that research with respect to inflammation and respect to neurotransmitters and all of that too. So this is, again, this is all grounded in our experiences. Um, And this is also why float tanks are taking off because you're pulling out all those sensory experiences and letting people's nervous system relax. But this is, is something we experience and we're learning more and more about from a research perspective. So absolutely. So cool. It is. And interesting, you mentioned about the aging side of things, because Dr. Thomas Hanna, who created the modality somatics, actually coined the expression, the myth of aging. 
And he always said it was a myth that the old man's stoop was linked with aging. Because of the fascial um, connection side of things, he saw that with adaptation and through habituation, so if we do something long enough, the muscles, the brain that talks to the muscles and changes the level of tension and by extension, the fascia as well, that all starts to change shape. And so what happens is, is that now, you know, I, I see it here. We've got high schools nearby. The, the school bags are massive. You could put the kids in them. They're huge, these bags. I don't know what they're carrying, but they've got them over their little shoulders and they're slumped forward. Their shoulders are rolled forward. Their heads are jutting forward because they're trying to balance these heavy, big bags. Added to that, they're on mobile devices and computers, which we didn't have at their age. So these beautiful soft bones, this fascia, this muscle, it's all starting to change shape quite quickly. And so what you're seeing is teenagers with an old man's stoop. And I often think if Thomas Hanna was alive now, he'd be going, you see, it's the myth of aging because it is a myth. If we stay mobile, if we use our body and we move freely, we don't have to get trapped into those subconscious movements and, or, or postures because that's exactly it with that fascia. Um, when we don't move enough, you get these really sticky adhesions uh, along the fascial surface. Um, and basically it starts to affect our range of motion. And so if that happens, basically the fascia, that whole connective webbing, it's like a spider web really, um, is very heavily linked with our muscles. It starts to become very rigid. And so that's why movement, just bringing movement back into our body is gonna bring that fluidity back. And this is an exercise versus movement conversation in That's itself right. as well, because I, I see this all the time, which I guess I'll define this because we've talked around it a lot. I view exercise, meaning high intensity, go, 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 running on a treadmill, that being being exercised as a luxury, not a right. If you are stressed out and you're pushing your body to the end of its limits and you add exercise on top of it, you're going to be doing damage fundamentally. Whereas movement is walking, it is stretching or like just gentle movements. It's literally movement. It's getting up from your desk and moving around the room, checking in with yourself. That's kind of how I define it. And mm -hmm. so with that, you will see this as well. If you're the type of person who sits all day and then goes for a run, you can get super tight hip flexors. You can get all of these like shoulder and joint pains because you have those fascial adhesions, but then you're ripping through them when you're trying to run. And so there's so much in between that needs to happen with that in order to connect the movement and the exercise and be able to get that right to exercise back. And what I'd like to do, um, Sarah, after the break is can we just develop that a little bit more? Because I'd actually like people to understand the baseline of stress, the stress response and how what they think is their learned conditioning behavior is actually more detrimental to their health and well-being. So can we discuss that after the break? Absolutely. Sarah here. Do you love what you're learning? Do you want to take your health to the next level? In addition to my book on weight loss resistance, Finally Lose It. I'm developing a number of masterclasses on the evidence-based treatment of some troublesome women's health issues. We are going to cover hair loss, acne, how to support your body for preconception and through pregnancy, and so much more. To find out more, follow me on Instagram at drsarah__nd, or go to advancedwomenshealth.ca slash podcast to be the first to find out when they're released. Okay, so just before the break, Sarah, we were talking about how 
uh, people can just start living in this sort of gym junkie world, you know, go, 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 and pumping iron and all that sort of thing. The strength is great. So don't get me wrong. Strength training is really important, you know, for that side of things. But it's because we want to become more somatic, more mindful and notice what's actually going on. And again, this is where the movement ties in with the previous podcast on stress response, because you mentioned just before about the tight shoulders, the tight hip flexors. And the thing is, with exercise, it is pump, 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 go, go, go. And if you're the sort of person that thrives on being busy all the time and the adrenaline is going boom, boom, boom and surging through us, the cortisol levels are higher, aren't they? So the inflammation increases. So you've got inflammation that's peaking. And because that baseline of stress you know, you start with stress and then you add a bit more stress and a bit more stress. It, it in the end, it becomes like a pressure cooker basically. Um, and something has to give. And so what you find is that people try and cope with their stress by just doing some high intensity work. Um, and so what it actually does, it, if you think about it, we're already subconsciously living in a stress response. So the muscles are already tight because of that subconscious stress response. You then decide to tighten muscles that are already tight and that they've got limited range at this point. You make them even tighter. Added to that, there's a lot of hormonal things, and I'm sure you can elaborate on this in a moment. There's all the hormonal factors that are going on, which again, eat into the whole stress response. And then you wonder why people are getting so tight in pain, joints are affected, they're getting tears, they're getting bursitis, all sorts of things because they are living in a tight body. And as we mentioned right at the beginning, they're being held captive to subconscious stress responses. You know, so it's, and as we learned in the previous one, it's not a mindful practice. So they're no longer even living within their entire soma. They're living in their head. They're ignoring all the alarm bell signals that are going off, telling them that the inflammation's kicking in, that they've got tears, because they just think if I work through it, if I make myself stronger, I can get better. And that's, well, that's not awesome. how our body it's also fundamentally what we're being told in society, right? Yeah. If someone's tired, they're like, okay, go exercise. I had this literally last week. Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, go to a spinning class. You'll feel better. Well, maybe not, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you are stressed to the nines, if your hormones are completely out of balance, I have seen plenty of women who lose their periods because they decide to take up exercise because again, their body, the only reason we have a period is to reproduce. So if your body perceives that you have put one last stress in your bucket and it is not safe to make a baby, then you will not have a period. You're running from a bear. Literally, if you're running on a treadmill, the same physiological response exactly. happens, right? Exactly. And so that's not to say that a yoga practice wouldn't be amazing for that person or going, getting outside in nature and going for a walk would be awesome. Like all, there's a lot of ways to get blood flow and to get movement, um, but not pumping away at the gym. And so it's just, it's again, it's just being mindful of these things. And 90% of the time when I have those patients in front of me, they're either, well, actually, no, it's, it's 50, 40. All of the patients in front of me doing the HIIT training and they're like, the one thing I will not change is this. And it's because they know it's the yeah, one thing that they should change. <laughs> and so exactly I'm like, right. we'll loop back to that one later. Um, <laughs> but they, cause they kind of, they just, automatically before I say anything, they're like, I will not take that away. Or there's the people who I just give permission. I'm like, just focus on movement. Like, because sitting is the new smoking. I'm not giving you permission mm -hmm. to sit on your butt all day. This is not what we're saying. We're saying don't go do high intensity interval training. If you're getting injured after, if you are ignoring your body, if you're doing it just to lose weight or fit into a certain physical frame and not doing it for the 
muscle benefits, doing it for the weight, like the weightlifting side of things. If you're not considering your posture, if you're not considering everything you're doing in a day and you're going, you're having a shot of espresso just to get to the gym. These are the issues that we're talking about, right? And this is where you really just need to check into yourself because when I give people that permission and I'm like, exercise is a luxury. It's not a right. So many times that second 40% of people is like, okay, okay. I'm so glad you said that because I don't feel good when I do it. And if you feel more tired leaving the gym than when you got there, you're not getting that endorphin rush that you're not getting those benefits. Your body's telling you, no, 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 you shouldn't be here. And the other thing is, if we think on a psychological point of view, it still ties in. Um, we really want to nurture and look after ourselves. You know, really, we deal with a lot of pressure throughout the day. And then to go to a session where you're being pushed and pushed and pushed and you're already in a stress response and then you've got someone shouting at you, it's actually, it's not a nurturing environment, is it? Now, some people might argue and go, well, that's what I need. And I understand that. But the fact is that we've got to take care of ourselves, really. And um, when, you, when that happens, it's just... Um, just give yourself a little bit of slack because I, I know definitely I know this from when I lived in the UK and also I know from living here in Australia because I, I love my gym so I go to the gym um, as well but I can you know like you say you can watch people and you see their nervous system but there were people I heard about at my gym in the UK and I've heard about here that have basically had strokes on the treadmill they've had like an aneurysm there's been all sorts of things and you know why that is because they're, on, they're living in that stress response and they're just dialing up that stress response even more to the point that their body goes, I've had enough and yeah. something has to give. Yeah, and you, don't, you don't want to get to that point. And exactly. And there's so many things that go into those equations yeah. too. And I think living scared is, is just as scary as anything else. But, it, but it's true. It's just checking in with yourself. Like I always joke whenever people are recommending a trainer to me, I'm like, if they bark orders at me, I will bark right back. Like I just, <laughs> first, first of all, it's my personality. If you tell me what to do, I'll probably do the opposite. But that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, but from that side of things, it's, it's true. Like you just have to Res, you have to see what resonates with you. And I think we're so disconnected fundamentally from so many aspects that we've just forgotten that it's okay. We have forgotten that it's okay to listen to our bodies. How sad is that fact, right? We have, we have to be given permission from a medical practitioner or someone else to not bust our butts at the gym. Like we, that, it's sad. That to me is sad that we're in and, that state of being. And that's where, um, I'm sorry if I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, but again, I mention this to clients a lot, is that's that authoritarian mindset. And that's what we as practitioners are very interested is moving people away from that. And that authoritarian mindset is whereby a person relies on somebody else to tell them if they feel better, how they can fix them. Whereas we actually want to empower and educate people so they can take back control of their life. If they are able to read and feel and sense deep within what's happening, that's where you make the massive shifts and changes. So that's why we want to move away from that helpless, hopelessness feeling to actually feeling empowered. And, and that makes me think, Sarah, that when we talk about movement, and in particular, when I talk about somatic movement, we use in somatic movement a very methodical and systematic three-step process to release those chronically tight muscles, and it's called pandiculation. Now, I know over time we're going to develop pandiculation more because it will come into lots of things, but pandiculation is what re reintroduces that muscle memory back to what have been very tight, tense muscles. 
And I'm not sure if, if the listeners know, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Sarah, but cats and dogs don't actually stretch. They pandiculate. So if you watch them, they, the three-step phase is that they do a little tremble or a little contraction of a muscle, and then they lengthen to the end of their natural movement, and then they just go, oh, and relax. So they don't stretch and go, how far can I take my limb? They actually just listen to where their brain says is the end of the movement to release and lengthen that muscle, and then they fully relax. And what they're doing there is resetting a part of their brain called the sensory motor cortex to take that habitual tension and tightness that's developed from stress and from habits and poor posture to reset so they get full range of movement again. And this and is so something, th- oh, sorry. Um, no, I was just going to say, this is something that you've told me before, which I thought was just so fascinating is for what, like when you're stretching and you get to the end of a stretch and your muscles get tighter or they contract or you get a Charlie yeah. horse and you're like, dude, what am I, like, I'm trying to do the best for my body. I'm trying to stretch out before and after my exercise. But when you're already tight and you're just taking it to that end range of motion, and if I'm wrong here, correct me, but you can, you can cause more tightness. You can cause mm-hmm. these contractions. Um, and I just found that so fascinating because so many times we do this, right? You like, you're stretching beyond your point of capacity and you're like, oh, I'm going to feel so limber on the other side of this and then you get a contraction and you feel awful and then you're like why did I stretch anyways um and if you've ever had that thought maybe this is what's going on right and that's exactly what's happening and that's the thing is that because we're not being we're not being mindful and noticing the end of our range we're actually triggering a safety mechanism called the stretch reflex so at that point we've no longer got the brain's involvement it's a survival stress or um yeah it's a stretch reflex so it's a, a response to stop us from tearing or stretching or damaging muscles and joints so in actual fact when we stretch we move away from a mindful practice to more mindless if you don't mind me saying that because we're at that point the ego comes in and again it's the same thing of no pain no gain we think we want to stretch that bit further let's breathe through a stretch because that person on social media did that really impressive back bend and i want to do the same thing and yet their body is very different to our body and what we need to do is stop that and go right back to bringing it to a very somatic internalized process and thinking what can we do with movement how can we use pandiculation to soften and loosen our muscles and get better range of movement and better posture and basically then if we do all that our internal organs are going to have more space to move quite freely too so it's, it's a massive subject, and I know we're going to be covering this lots more in future podcasts. Absolutely. So why don't we wrap today's episode up with your top three? So what are your takeaways um, that you think everyone should know about movement? Right. So first of all, for the three takeaways for movement, I'd say, first of all, plan your day to include movement throughout the day. Because really, it's, you know, when we plan anything, if we've got a, a schedule that we're sticking to, then we're more likely to, to do it. Which and, we'll and then talk you, about next in Habits yeah. and Routines. How cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> and then my second one would be to use pandiculation to release chronically tight muscles. Because as we've looked at, cats and dogs, they pandiculate. Look how agile they are. They're really agile. They bounce. They move. They've got a lot of strength. You know, so it'd be very funny to see them picking up a dumbbell, but, you know, but they are very active and they're global with all their movements, you know, because they use pandiculation. And then also a big one that we talked about right at the beginning is to notice how we walk, notice what's moving and also what's not moving. 
And when we know how to pandiculate, then we can use that to release those stiff areas so that we get that movement back. And you mentioned about the fascial um, trains, should I say. And if we've got that fluidity from opposite hip to shoulder, we've got it from head to toe, we're going to move better. We're going to have better shock, shock absorbency. Everything's going to flow better. We won't have joints jamming. We won't have bursitis flaring up because everything's working in a global manner. We're breaking those habitual patterns. Absolutely. I would say my three are sitting as the new smoking, which I'm sure you guys have heard over and over again, but it's, it's just so critical to keep in mind that our bodies are meant to move. And when we're not moving them and we're sitting with poor posture, we're going to have chronic pain. It's just a reality. I feel like every doctor who wants to get into things to make money should focus on chronic pain because that's going to be what happens if we don't take this seriously. Um, my, my second one is that there's a huge difference between movement and exercise. And that if you are experiencing what I call the itty bitty tea committee, um, then I, I'm not going to swear on here, um, <laughs> of symptoms, which is you're fatigued, you're just feeling exhausted, your hormones are a little bit out of whack, you're getting PMS that you've never had, your gut's off, you're just not feeling at home in your body, then check in and see how you're feeling in response to exercise and maybe try something different. Because if it's not working for you, don't do it, right? Try to take a walk, try to do something different. Um, and then my, my third one is going to be to kind of piggyback off you a little bit. I do think that the fascial theory of aging is so fascinating. And I do think it's really important to perceive your body as one whole thing. So if this fascia can send signals to your hormones and your brain and affects your mood, right? Then why not consider it in your movement plan? And don't go from absolutely no movement to running a marathon because that's probably not going to help either, right? So just mm -hmm. considering all these pieces together um, is critical. And we're always going to go back to that, guys. We're always going to go back to your body is connected. We're always going to go back to, or I'll always go back to research says, so <laughs> that you guys can't say, oh, no, no, that's just a theory. Because again, that's why functional medicine is taking off, which is what we have always done. That is why all of these things are happening is because people are waking up to the fact that your body is 100% connected. Um, and movement is just another key example of that. Brilliant. Fantastic. Wow, what an action-packed podcast that was, Sarah. <laughs> it was cool, wasn't it? And that's the thing is that we've mentioned before that all these are going to flow in. So the next thing that we're going to discuss is about habits and rituals and routines and that sort of thing. And we'll probably keep stemming back to things that we've discussed here and in the stress podcast, but it, it all weaves in together quite nicely. Absolutely. And so until next time, be well. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more, go to reallywellwomen.com and connect with us. Also, spread the word so we can increase the feeling of really well women all around the world. So until next time, take care.